Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, episode number 404. So we're rattling through these at the moment. Uh, we're also coming to you on Future Radio 107.8 FM. I am Connor Southwell, joined by Paddy Javitt and uh, Chris Lakey. It feels like we've got a lot to talk about this week. It feels like we've got a lot to talk about today, let alone this week. Um, of course, this week, football does return. Norwich City face Southampton at Carroll Road on Friday evening um, behind closed doors. It's it's going to be, it, it feels to me now like everyone is, is just about ready for the return of football. Um, but Paddy, let, let's start with you. There's only really one place I think we can start this week and that is from the news that came out of Cow Road on Saturday night that uh, one of the Norwich City players who uh, as of uh, Tuesday is, is unnamed um, has had a positive test for COVID-19, which obviously isn't good news on the week that Norwich City restart their Premier League campaign. Uh, absolutely not. No, you're right, Connor. And uh, very alarming, both both in terms of, uh, well, less so in a footballing sporting context, more, more so for the guy and his family. But uh, since that announcement Saturday night, I mean, anybody who's unaware, what we have now is to facilitate football coming back at the Premier League level is twice weekly, testing of 20 players, 20 clubs worth of squads and coaching staff, uh, and I'm assuming backroom staff as well. Um, and we've had this rolling kind of publication of, of, of results, uh, almost, for, to, I guess, provide everybody with reassurance, both inside the game and, and outside, that, that what the Premier League are attempting to do is safe, uh, or as much as it can be, really, in what is, a, as we all know now, because we're, we're living it for month after month, a very, uh, very evolving situation in terms of the virus and the spread of it. But, yeah, of of all the thousand plus tests in the latest round, which were were taken just prior to the weekend, there were two positive. One of them, it turns out, was Norwich. That was confirmed by the club themselves Saturday night. Um, so yeah, of course, straight away, very alarming. Raises the potential to have other players within the Norwich squad gone down with it. Um, saw one or two reports on social media, or one or two fans on social media questioning whether the Southampton game could go ahead, but. Um, where we are right now, as we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, is uh, thanks to Stuart Weber, who's came out and basically confirmed that the club have done their own follow-up independent test. That's the key key part of this um, with said player, an identified player, it is negative. Um, so there'll be a third antibody test now because it, without prejudging that test, it, it, it increasingly looks like maybe the player may have had the virus at some point, but isn't showing any symptoms now. Um, Weber confirmed again uh, is healthy the rest of the squad are healthy so it thankfully feels like it's moving towards maybe um, a situation where to apply the Premier League protocols when he's self-isolated for the rest of this week he will take another Premier League test not the independent club test um, and if that's negative he will rejoin the group so it looks like um, not quite as alarming as we, we all probably maybe feared when the news first broke on Saturday. But as you rightly say, against the backdrop of what the football in this country professionally at the top level is trying to achieve, um, it doesn't help matters because there's obviously still a lot of resistance, I'm sure, in the wider public to elite level football coming back. Um, but it is what it is. Um, that That sort of argument has already been debated and we've moved on from that. And... As I say, um, 
we probably, well, we will. Wednesday uh, will be the next reports uh, following the next round of testing, and that will confirm from the Premier League um, if there's been any more positive tests uh, and also if there's been any, because I'm sure Norwich would, would be quick to come out if there's any further positive tests around the rest of the Norwich squad. So at this stage, um, prior to, to the actual confirmation from the Premier League, from the next round of testing, um, it does thankfully look like it's it's not going to be as serious as it potentially could have been. But as Stuart Weber himself said, um, he, he's done a podcast with a, an independent um, organisation earlier today, it does underline that they can take all the measures they think they can take and all the protocols and, and you still are in danger of catching it. And that just underlines really the pervasiveness of this virus, doesn't it? Well, this is it, isn't it? Because uh, for all the talk of the so-called R rate, it's it's going to be one of the lowest in 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 this part of the of the country, which it probably makes it more interesting that a a player has caught it, and if so, perhaps raises questions, if not internally, then certainly from a supporter's perspective about how that person then did catch it. I mean, Adrian Mariapa, who uh, tested positive for Watford, said he essentially didn't leave his house and had no idea how he caught it. And I mean, many, perhaps this positive case at, at Norwich has certainly woken up a few in in Norfolk about still the prevalence of, of this virus even now. Um, Chris, let's, let's, bring you this, let's bring you in uh, then, because as, as Paddy said, and as Paddy alludes to, this next set of tests that have, have taken place probably yesterday is, is probably going to be quite pivotal for Norwich. And I suppose if there is a, a, a slight positive out of this is that where clubs have had individual positive cases, we then haven't seen an outbreak in a squad, have we? So I suppose that perhaps is, is positive, but equally it's a significant set of results for the football club, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's true. I think Paddy's explained the whole thing there really, really well. Um, it, it's sometimes difficult to get your head around these things and uh, different tests. Uh, the fact that a City player posit- tested positive on a Premier League test and then tested negative on a Norwich City test just would suggest to the doctor in me, and that's not much of it, um, that um, he's come out of the infection period. Um, again, like I said, not the doctor in me. But it also shows that the mystery that has surrounded uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, since, was it January? That, that mm-hmm. nobody knows the true extent uh, of this, this virus. And, and, and football coming back uh, is attempting to bypass that mystery a little bit. Um, as is, you know, Primark opening, your petrol station opening, everything. You know, we're, we're all trying to... Uh, uh, second guess it um, and I don't think you can second guess it the fact is that, that, that if there is one out of all the tests that Norwich City have undertaken since testing started if they've had one positive test which very quickly became um, a negative test then I guess you're looking at that and with your, your glass half full head on you'd say that's pretty decent um, then you have your glass half empty t- uh, head on that says well actually it's not really, is it? Because one's too many. It's just we we are all in the dark still. I don't. I, I find myself when I when I talk about this in relation to football, I find this dark cloud descending over me, which makes me worry like hell about it all. Um, but I think we've put con- football into the context of everyday life. It, it, it probably looks a little bit different. What does worry me is is that prospect, that very pro- real prospect of there being another positive test within the same club and then several that that's the fear that everybody would have because that is the that is the game changer if if one club does get several then what do you do Mm. you know at the start of this football season as we well know Daniel Farker had a major injury crisis um it took a lot of his players out this is different this is altogether different it has different consequences um if you were to play against a team who've lost three players to coronavirus, would you be happy? I'm not sure I would, really. Mm. It's, it's, it's just this, the, the mystery, isn't it? It, it? But, you know, I think two, two tests a week and obviously Norwich City conducting their own tests on top, I guess all clubs are doing that. that I think football is trying its hardest to, to, to just keep a lid on it all. Um, whether it's enough, I don't know. Again, I really do apologise for this black cloud that descends on me because um, I want to see football back on Friday. I'm really excited about it. Um, but uh, it, it does have a big question mark next to it for me. But I don't think it's insurmountable. 
I guess it's like anything else at the moment, isn't it? Is an element of risk, and it's it's almost that football has accepted that risk, isn't it now? And I think that's perhaps maybe when you do see, maybe it's a bit different because obviously we cover Norwich City daily, so it's, it, it feels a bit closer to home. Maybe this this positive case than others. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. I, I tell you what, football <laughs> this this has done is 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 exposed us to some facts that I never realised, and I've lost them now. I called it up on my email, but I actually have lost it. But I'm sure somewhere today I've read that footballers, that the contact during a game, you know, close quarters contact is 15 minutes worth in a 90-minute football game. You know, so that that is sort of similar to what you get out in the street, what you're allowed in the street. Um, so close contact doesn't happen in football. Uh, it, yeah, we all think it does, but most of the game is not spent in close contact. And if you've seen certain defenders in blue shirts around this region, you'll you'll know that's very true. Sorry, <laughs> no comment. Um, Sorry, Paddy, I had to. I had to come. I had a black cloud. I had to lift it. Well, it's it's, it's always the best way to lift it, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's 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 another facet to this, which is that Norwich City obviously played Tottenham Hotspur in a behind closed doors friendly on Friday. The player in question played in that game. Uh, Spurs confirmed that. Both squads haven't gone into self-isolation for the reasons that the Lakers has just outlined in terms of the contact period. So is it going to be interesting to see, again, from a Spurs perspective, whether we see any positive cases crop up there, maybe? I think that's absolutely true. Sorry, Paddy, I jumped in there, but I'm going to exit very quickly. I think that's absolutely true. That The one that everybody will be looking at will be Tottenham. Because, that again, the, the new ball game. If they've got a couple of positive tests, then, you know, trouble. As you can see, I'm getting served uh, coffee here <laughs> by somebody who thinks that they they can't be seen on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I beg your pardon for jumping in, Paddy. You're all yours. No, you're right. No, no, I, I mean, I've, I've been a bit out of the loop um, for reasons people probably might already know. But didn't Tottenham, didn't Tottenham have a positive test somewhere down the line in, in one of these... Um, yes, I think they, I think it did at the start. Yeah, I think it was close to the start, wasn't it? Um, but I think it might have been a staff member rather than a player, if memory yeah. serves. Yeah. But to underline Lakers' point, after that, there wasn't obviously anything that we're aware of, anyway, publicly uh, that, that sort of constituted a, a wider issue at Tottenham. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure as much as Tottenham were quite quite keen to put that statement out off the back of you know Norwich confirming that there was a player in that game last Friday. Um, they they felt that none of their players had really come into, as you uh, explained there, the close contact, public health England 15-minute kind of uh, exposure. Um, I'm pretty sure they would still like the reassurance from this latest round of testing, which we believe is taking place over Monday and today, Tuesday. And then we'll get, hopefully, the Premier League will put the results out tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, I'm sure that, I'm sure if you're Jose Mourinho, particularly, uh, you know, with a trip, is it at home to United or are they going to Manchester United Friday night? Uh, I think, uh, think they're at yeah. home, I think. I will double check. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, irrespective. But uh, you, you would want, if you're Jose Mourinho, a clean bill of health. Um, because if not, as I say, uh, it's one thing to have been going through these steps while they were coming back to training and initially in small groups, no contact. Now they've moved on to, obviously, the, the next phase, the contact, and, and actually playing games. Um like Norwich did against uh, Tottenham. It's a completely different scenario now when we get into this cycle of actually playing Premier League games um, and we're start, starting to get, heaven forbid, uh, higher numbers of players and staff having tested positive because then, then there's a whole different set of questions that are going to be asked about this. I'm sure even within football, there's probably a, li a little bit of unease and, and uncertainty whether they could continue with, with this e e abbreviated season if there was another... The outbreak, you know, there's a lot of talk in society generally about a second wave, and if that was to transpire, and 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 then inevitably football won't be immune from that. So, you know, I, I think there probably is a palpable sense of nobody quite knows where we're going with with, with embarking down this path. The, the, the hope is that clearly they're doing as much as they can in terms of the medical framework they can put around um, the professional football in the Premier League, but there's still no guarantees and of course the Norwich test has underlined that so yeah it, it's a very strange scenario but um, you know they will look to the Bundesliga and they're now what are they now three or four games in and, and yeah. it seems to have, it seems to have settled into consistency of product um, you know far far from ideal clearly with no supporters in the stadium but 
you know, they seem to have reached a point where on and off the pitch they're able to continue with the progress of their league and, and the Premier League will hope to follow suit, won't they? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's worth noting as well, um, obviously we're not going to speculate on, on the player, um, but but also in relation to that Spurs friendly, um, the, the Norwich players did take a few separate coaches, I believe, so they could allow for social distancing on those. And of course, uh, we've had all the public transport um, guidelines come in in terms of face masks and stuff like that. So they'd have been following the, the procedures. So again, that might indicate why again, more widely Norwich's squad haven't had to self-isolate as, as a whole and why, rather why this, this individual um, would, have, would have taken themselves out of it. And also it's worth putting into perspective the numbers. I mean, you, you alluded to it there earlier on, but it is one of two cases out of 1,000, over 1,000, isn't it? I think over 1,200 just about. So there is some perspective to be had there as well. It's, it, it's just how much, or I suppose, what hinges on this next round of testing. Because if there's another Norwich City player that tests positive or member of staff in, in the next round, then then that does raise some some more serious questions um, uh, about this and, and and perhaps about the uh, the effect that an uh, infected player has. Although we haven't seen that at any other clubs, so there's no reason to sort of suspect that it will it will happen here. Um, Lakers. I, from a, if, if you were another player inside that Norwich City dressing room, how would you feel that one of your colleagues who perhaps you had close contact with on, on the training pitch, um, certainly in, in games, is, is your teammate wears the same colour shirt as you, etc. When they test positive the week of your first game, w- would that create for you some doubt, even sort of subconsciously about perhaps the safety of it all? I wouldn't hold it against him for a start. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, it's bound to. But saying that, um, when I go and, and I know the shops are open, but you ain't got a chance of dragging me out today. Um, uh, you know, I, I, social distancing remains for me and not going into shops remains for me. Um, but when you see the lengths that football will go to to protect itself at the moment, the Premier League, you know, I would imagine the consequences of you failing to obey all the rules are huge. Imagine any club which was lax in observing the, the, the rules and, and being careful to the extent that they had several players uh, with who tested positive, that they probably transferred it to other players and suddenly the Premier League season's over. The financial implications for many, many, many people and football clubs would be huge just because one club or even one person was a bit of a prat, frankly. You know, it's so big that, that you, you, you that I think every football club will have taken extreme measures to, to ensure that they don't pass it on. And if I was in a dressing room where a player had proved he was asymptomatic, but he, he tested positive, yeah, I would be concerned, but... Uh, I would know that that my football club, my employees, had taken every step because they are. That's what they're doing. You know, let's not be cynical about this. Football has got to. It's it's, it's leading away for a lot of people, and you can't mess it up by being lax. So I'd suggest not having the luxury of being in a dressing room full of megastars and multi-million pound people. That 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 they are working, you know, I'd say there was more of a surprise. I think that's been an element that's come out there. A lot of people, Elliot Bennett said the same. He was really surprised that he had a tested positive. Um, yeah, I guess his teammates are going to think, oh, I don't want to, I've got a family. But, of course, I get the same feeling when I have to go and do my shop. I don't want to be anywhere near anybody. And I'd rather sit in a football club dressing room than go into Tesco's. Really would yeah. now. You could plonk me in the middle there and make me juggle the ball all day. <laughs> much better than getting a tub of butter, mate. Well, I, I suppose one element the, the football clubs and, and the football players have in, in their favour is the fact that they do get regularly tested. So, mm. and, and I, I suppose, unlike perhaps some of the cases that have been publicised and highlighted, most of the professional footballers that have caught COVID-19 have actually been asymptomatic and the majority of them have, like you said there, have been like Elliot Bennett and, and been shocked that they've actually tested positive for it. So, uh, fingers crossed we, we don't see any more positive cases. But, of course, as, as Paddy said, the next uh, 
round of, of tests comes out tomorrow. So we, we await those with, with interest, that's for sure, from a Norwich City perspective. But uh, yeah, we, we obviously wish the, the, the player well in, in, in his recovery. Obviously, that's that's the main thing. Um, right, let's let's get on to some football talk then. Norwich City obviously resuming their, their season uh, on Friday at Carrow Southampton. We'll preview that game shortly. Um, I, I just wanted to come on to Andre Duda because uh, his loan extension, I think probably no surprise to anyone, Pad, uh, he's, he's come out himself and said that he's, he's agreed to, to stay at Norwich City. Um, what, what's your view on it? Because he's a player who made quite the impact on his debut but hasn't quite followed up his performances since. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's funny because he was very good that day of his debut with Bournemouth. They won 1-0, um, which was the game where the Steve Cook was. It got himself sent off handling a Nande Duda goal bound. So he would have had probably a goal scoring debut and, and who knows if that had kicked him on. At the minute, uh, and I, I, I'm going to hasten to use the name, but there's, there's a very Stephen Naismith sort of curve to this who was brilliant on his debut against Liverpool in that madcap 4-5 defeat uh, when Jurgen Klopp ended up with broken glasses uh, et al. And, and never, never remotely got anywhere near that level again. And uh, I, I, I would say that Andre Duda has flattered to deceive. Um, and of course, it's difficult because, as Daniel Farker said when he came in, you know, the problem he had coming in in January, he had no time to acclimatise. He's come into it. OK, he probably does speak a little bit of English, but completely new footballing culture, a new actual country as well. And maybe we didn't cut, cut enough slack, particularly when he looked so comfortable in that opening game. But I think that has been against him. But now he's had another, what, thick end of three months in England. Um, I read in that article as well that he's literally just been holed up in his flat in Norwich. So he certainly should have acclimatised to his surroundings and more importantly his teammates um, because he's had that he's almost had that luxury really now of a, of a block of time with no games, just to more so obviously when they were allowed to come back to training um, to, to just basically um, feel very comfortable in the surroundings. And you would hope that that would remove any elements of sort of that was holding him back in his performance levels, because there's no doubt. And again, I'll go back to what Daniel said when he came in that if they'd have wanted to buy that lad on the back of what he did the previous season in the Bundesliga in terms of his goals and assists, you're talking a £20 million player. He's a Slovakian international. He's played in the finals of major championships. He's clearly got ability and he was clearly an upgrade for me in terms of the players they were trying in that number 10 position. Um, so if, if you were saying, OK, you needed to cut a bit of slack, you needed time to adapt and acclimatise, for me, that excuse has now been removed and we need to see... Um, the Andre Duda we hoped we were going to get when he came in in January. And, and what I would say, the one takeaway from that uh, interview he's done over in Poland, I think, is that if Hertha Berlin, his parent club, wanted him back um, yeah. and he's said, no, I want to see it through here, that's a very positive sign for me. That tells me there's a player who's not just going through the motions. He wants to be here. He wants to put his shoulder to the wheel and hopefully play his part in keeping Norwich up. And uh, I just think, I, I keep going back to that Bournemouth game, but the way he interacted with Cantwell, Wendia and Puki, particularly Puki now, who, who again, hopefully is fit and refreshed and over his injury problems. That quartet, who knows? Norwich need to win games if they're going to stand any chance now and, and the sooner rather than a bet, uh, the later in terms of the, the games they've got left to play. That quartet, if they fire and Duda was a big part of that, then who knows? I think Norwich would carry more than enough at the top end of the pitch to worry teams like Southampton and Everton, who were the next two home games, obviously. Absolutely. And, and just on that acclimatisation period, I mean, often with Daniel Farker, when he signs a player, we don't see him tend, or he doesn't tend to sort of chuck a player straight into the first team, does he? He tends to integrate them fairly slowly, whereas Duda was chucked in. And again, you've, you've spoken about the debut there. And he did speak, actually, uh, in that article that we were alluding to, which he done in, in, in uh, with a Polish outlet. Um, but essentially, he, he found adapting to life in England perhaps a little bit easier in terms of uh, he could speak English before he arrived when he moved to Germany to, to Hertha Berlin he, he couldn't speak German um, but it, it's interesting isn't it when, when the player comes in halfway through a season to a new league in a new dressing room I just wonder how difficult that that would have been for him um, Chris is, is there a what if element I mean we can we can speak about Andre Duda a, a little bit individually but in terms of Norwich City as, as a restart they're going to be looking at Andre Duda but equally 
They're going to have centre-back options available now. And it just feels to me like, and again, it's because we haven't had football for so long, but the way supporters are, are thinking about uh, Duda and again, Tim Closey can chuck into this bracket as well. There's, there's kind of a what-if-they-do-do-it element. But those those two games at Carrow, Southampton-Everton, they're, they're going to be absolutely massive, aren't they? Yep, they are. They're winnable games as well, which makes it a very frightening week because if they do happen to win those games, and let's face it, you know, the, the, the odds are not with them because, you know, it's, it's obvious they've not done, uh, um, uh, done that this season. If they can win those two games, the pressure is on the other teams. Uh, their backs will be up. You know, they'll be really up for the for this. They've got Manchester United, who I really think that's a very winnable quarterfinal. Um, I did see in a Northern newspaper, Manchester United apparently have a very winnable quarterfinal against Norwich. Well, yeah, it's, it's a level playing field. Um, but, you know, they, they go into that really on the up if they can win those two games. If they can't, and, and, and a lot of what we're, the resumption is about is between the ears, if they can't, it really is uphill, and and I think the uphill, no, too much, too steep. You know, they've got to win those two games because the, there's this this correlation between yourself and your rivals. If Villa, I mean Villa tomorrow night, uh, the Villa game is huge for Norwich as well. I think you have to take every single ounce of motivation you can get. Villa lose, you got Southampton. You're already. You've already got something to to kick off on, you know. Um, you, you mentioned about Tim Closer there. It'd be interesting to see if 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 Daniel Farker just picks up where they left off. And to me, it, it, why should they? Because they weren't doing very well. They were losing. You know, this team is not winning football games, or not winning sufficient games, or winning at sufficient points. So to just sort of join it all together and as if nothing's happened and carry on with the same members of staff does seem probably wrong. Um, I know he's a man who sticks by his principles, and, and I sort of admire him for that, but you know, Norwich are in desperate need of, of points now, and, and there may be, now that he's got just, I think, has he got every player available? Is Sam Byram available? I think, I think there's some doubt. I think, I think he isn't, because he's got a good deputy there, but... Yeah, yeah, I think there's some doubt over Zimmerman and Byram, isn't there? From from what Farker has said previously, although but that's not that's nothing compared to the problems he had in the first half of the season. So you know, he starts afresh, pretty much with all the players there. Um, and I think personally, I, I think he probably needs to just just change it because it, it the the other system wasn't working. Um, he's a manager, you know, he's he's very good at his job. Um, he'll know best, but. I don't know, I, I, I'd, I'd be a bit worried if I saw the same thing because it wasn't working. Um, but I suppose it's, it's better to see the same thing against Southampton and Everton than it would be against Manchester City and, and Liverpool. You know, because that really would. This running's pretty decent for Norwich. You know, yeah. I, I, at the start of the season, I, I was really cheesed off that they were ending with Man City. I thought that was a, a kick in the teeth for a team that comes up that you have to finish against Man City. Now could be over and done with by then either way but that mm. first week absolutely massive week three games the first three games but the first two league games massive for Norwich yeah and by the time we get to uh, the Emirates we may well know uh, what direction the season is going to go in in terms of league and cup that's for sure um, Paddy it's, it's an interesting one isn't it in terms of uh, what, what Lakers has said there because this is, uh, I don't want to use the word unprecedented, but you can you can insert alternative in here. Um, but it, it is such a unique situation that, in a way, for Daniel Farker makes it a bit difficult because do you carry in perhaps the form of what we saw in March and the season before that, or do you actually start afresh and, and base it on, on training? If, if you're Daniel Farker, which way or, or which direction do you go? Because we know that he's a manager who's, uh, who's quite stubborn in terms of perhaps his his formation so to speak he's very rigid with that 4-2-3-1 although from memory now I think about it I think he actually changed to a free at St Mary's didn't he uh, in, in the reverse fixture of this uh, with Amadou dropping back uh, from memory so well, how, exactly yeah exactly I, I, wonder <laughs> if that's, I wonder if that's put him off for free at the back but if you're if you're Daniel Farker which direction do you head in do you almost go clean step clean slate uh, how you perform in training, etc., or, or do you actually take into consideration the form and, and the performances of players before before the break? Well, yeah, I mean, 
mean, he's always, he's always said that it, if I, if I go back to the, the sort of the Moritz Leitner sort of omission um, mainly, but any player who's been on the outside, it, he's always took his reference from what they do in training. That, 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 and we know all the anecdotal evidence they train ridiculously hard. Grant Hanley said he'd never seen anything like it until he arrived at Norwich with double and triple sessions. And, and, and Farker demands very high standards in training and, and that intensity um, and professionalism. So, I think he will be placing a lot of store by what he's seen since they came back into first uh, non-contact and now subsequently contact training um, in terms of these selections. And you would think, certainly with Tim Closer being available, that's a very tempting uh, option to put it. the experience of that man, fit and fresh, a um, bit of class about him as well on the ball, which is how Farker likes to build from the back. To, to put him in either as a two or as a th- three. And, and I'll I go back to when we was in Germany pre-season, they played Schalke. Um, and they said after that game that he was, he was really, really quite keen to deploy the three um, just to shake it up. I, th- I think he saw it as Norwich they can't not go into the Premier League and be predictable because obviously it's an uphill task anyway in terms of their squad, largely unproven, um, a lot of young, inexperienced players or players from, overseas who I'm playing in the Premier League and it was almost he was inferring he wanted that element of surprise and of course that was denied him with, with the catalogue of injuries to the central defensive areas to the extent where I've written about it earlier today that you know that Bournemouth away game which they actually did draw nil-nil you ended up with Alex Tete partner in Ibrahim Hamadou in centre-back no disrespect to either of those lads but you know you're scraping the barrel if you've got to play them as centre-back in the Premier League um, and, and so any any desire to, to change it up formation-wise and player three was totally um, denied Daniel Fargan. That isn't the case now. And I just think that could alter the balance of the team in, in almost a transformative sense, you know, because you then push in, if you're playing with three central defenders, you push in Aaron's, we'll say, and Jamal Lewis into more advanced wing-back roles. That's their natural game. I think they're better going forward than, than they are going the other way. Um, it might allow him to do a little bit more in, in the centre of the park, maybe, dare I say, you know, you think they're not a Leitner or a Vrancic could be accommodated because you've got that protection a bit more behind them. And, and then, crucially, maybe at the top end of the pitch, we can take a bit of pressure off Timu and, and play maybe Dermot in and around him or even Adam Eder if he really wanted to roll the dice. Um, so, I think we will see the three at some point. Whether we see it from a kickoff against Southampton Friday night, not sure. Maybe Daniel will think there's so many variables around this game now and the whole backdrop to it. Do I need to be a bit more circumspect from the start? But but if it isn't working, um, I think given the expanded amount of subs on the bench, given the expanded amount of changes you can make in a game, that all leads you to be far more uh, proactive in your in, in the way you experiment within the game. And, and that's something he's been accused of not doing too often enough. And then he has been a bit too predictable, both in terms of his formation, starting lineup, and also how he uses his subs. So I I, I think it's underrated that. It, that he has this pragmatic side to him. When he first came in, you know, we go way back to the start of 2017, that Millwall game, bit of a watershed moment. Maybe the, the pure sweet science that he wanted to play wasn't going to work in the championship. He did adapt it. He brought Tete back into the fold. And we have at various points subsequently seen that pragmatic side to him. And I'd like to see it now because what have they got to lose? They're six points adrift. Um, the games are running out and, and pretty much everybody's written them off and they're going back to the championship. So, Let's try something different. You know, what they were trying going into this elongated period wasn't working. and The league table doesn't lie this far into the season. So, so with more options available to him, why not change it and, and shake it up a little bit? And, but, to, you know, that's to, to bring right rounds, I think what we see against Southampton will be purely and simply a reflection of what he has seen on the training pitch because he is very keen to reward what he feels is very good performances in training. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
From true crime to football, Brexit to folklore. For more great podcasts from Archant, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archant. It's, it's an interesting point you make there about the, the pragmatism. I, I, I'm just thinking there was a, a point earlier this season, wasn't there, where he, he almost stuck with Tetty and McLean and it was very sort of shield the back four, essentially. That's that's your job. And um, if, if you remember the Newcastle game in August when uh, I think it was Leitner and was it Tribal that day um, who, who played yeah. alongside him? I might be yeah. wrong. So that, that that's a bit more of a, a ball playing too. I just wonder if he does revert to that three and it, it does open the door for someone like Mario Vrancic to, to sit alongside Tetty or even Mo Leitner, who's, who's a player that I, I want to ask you about, Pad, because uh, he's, he's been fairly active on, on social media um, in, in a positive sense with, with workouts and, and, and different elements of, uh, of, on, his, uh, on his story. Um, like, he likes his food, doesn't he? All his, uh, you know, he does. Five, uh, you know, what, what do they call them? Superfoods. He's well into that, isn't he? I'll see on his yeah, Instagram. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'd, I'd fancy one of the breakfasts, but there, there are a few things that he's posted that, that do look okay. Um, but but let's let's uh, talk about Mo Leitner specifically. How much of, the, of him do you think we're going to see in the last nine games? We haven't seen him since, what, Brighton away in the league? So it's, it's been quite a, a long spell away. Do you get the sense that he's a player that um, Norwich will, will get a bit more out of in, in these last nine games, providing that... I guess he's in the right place for it. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it, his chances are increased exponentially by the fact that you can name more in the matchday squad and you can bring on more more players into the pitch. It, it's quite clear, you know, Farker can and play it down, but, but but clearly that that they haven't seen eye to eye. I think it's the diplomatic way of putting that uh, at various points this season. But there's no doubt in the guy has talent and. Um, you know there is a player in there, but I think it's quite clear to me now he needs to be accommodated with the right structure around him. If you, I mean, you referenced that Newcastle game, him and Tribal, it might have worked when they were on the front foot at Carrow Road early part of the season. Mm-hmm. Momentum still with them. Newcastle, by uh, contrast, were quite happy to concede ground that day, hit on the counter. That was perfect for them two type, two type of players. But we have seen other games where it's a far more front foot aggressive type of opponent. And, and those lads, West Ham away, actually, that springs to mind. They have to do a lot of work the other way, and that is not them. If, if you're relying on them to, to shore up a back four, it's only going to go end one way. So, in the right environment, the right opponent, um, and the right system, I think Morris Lightning could do a job. But you, know, you just feel, from where he was, in terms of the, the, this season, and where his, his sort of options were going in terms of first team exposure it's hard to construct a case to say he will come straight back into the fold but again as I say if if he's able to include him on the bench and then the way a game develops I don't think Farker is the pig-headed type of manager who would basically if he's if he's him and Morris Leitner have maybe had a difference of opinion he wouldn't turn to him and say right I need you in this game go on and show us what you can do I think again risk of repeating myself he's very pragmatic and if he thinks Morris Leitner can uh, can offer him something in midfield that other players can't. I think we will see him, but um, I still think it's probably a long shot to expect him to come from where he was uh, prior to the lockdown uh, to now play a leading role. But certainly in and around the squad, yeah, why wouldn't you have him? Because, as I say, look at his pedigree. There is a player there and uh, and he can do things in that Norwich midfield that not many other Norwich midfielders can do. So, yeah, why wouldn't you want that option on your bench? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. I've been thinking about the midfield um, a, a little bit as, as we've been leading up to this Southampton game. It's, it's probably been the area that I've looked at this season and probably gone, OK, that's probably where they're the weakest. Um, I, I saw someone uh, summarise Kenny McLean as, uh, and maybe I don't know if this is a compliment or perhaps a, a little bit negative in, in just saying that he's probably the most well-rounded Norwich City midfielder they have in terms of he does all of the elements well enough to keep him in the team ahead of someone like Mario Vrancic, who's very good technically, um, but perhaps leaves a lot to be desired defensively. So it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one with, with that midfield and, and how he kind of um, gets a balance in there. Is, is it just the case, Chris, maybe that they're just not good enough in that area? They don't have the quality in that area? I, I guess you could argue across the pitch, they're bottom of the league, aren't they? But it's yeah. specifically in that area of the pitch to, to perhaps get enough points to, to get themselves out of danger. I mean, not in the Premiership. I think in the uh, Premier League. I think in the Championship, they probably have. Um, 
McLean, uh, you know, there's a bit of hot and cold about Kenny McLean. One week people will be saying, you know, this this guy's the dogs. The next week he's the pits. It, it's, it, there is a little bit of marmite about him. I, whenever I've watched him, which is not as much as you lads, I've always think, thought he's quite decent, to be absolutely honest. Um, I just, I, you were talking about Mo Lightner, or Paddy was. Um, I keep going back to the back end of last season. I know that was the championship, but it was Mario Vrancic who, who ultimately pushed it all over the line. And I just wonder if there's, if there's somebody going to rear their head over the last few games, nine games, and, and, and do the business, who will come back and will have reset themselves. Um, we've got a, a pink and, well, a couple of pink and specials coming out this week. And I asked our, our pundits to, to say who would be the most important player. And I was quite surprised that not many of them went for Emi Buendia. Because to me, when he is on form, he is he is superb. He, he's a magnificent player. Where everybody knows that, but you know he's sometimes sort of fallen a bit of below the standard. His stats are, don't say that. His stats say they're all great, but this looks like a bloke to me who could, a player who could really reset himself and reset Norwich City. If anybody's going to do it, I feel that he might be the Mario Vrancic for this season. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, we we talk about his, his pragmatism, Farker, and, and I just wonder if you, you you ought to actually just say, look, you know, there's a goal scorer we know about, there's a great player in Buendia we know about. Let's just just aim for their complete strengths, and don't try and win the game, Mario Vrancic or Mo Leitner. You know, they're the two. You supply them. You, you we're running the team around those two guys, or or the top half of the team. Yeah, you probably see now why I'm not a football manager. But um, I, I just think Buendi has got so much to offer. He's such a good footballer. We know the defence, to be honest with you. I, you know, I know they're sort of bottom of the table, but you look at that defence and wonder why, because there are some very good players in it. Those fullbacks that Paddy talks about, Aarons and Lewis, going forward, it's fantastic. I, I love watching them. Um, probably I love watching them more than if I were... You know, a die-hard fan, it'd probably worry me more. But that defence looks all right. He's got plenty of options. OK, if Zimmerman's probably carrying an injury. But even that, he's still got plenty of options. Grant Hanley, fine footballer. Ben Godfrey, great promising footballer with, with a couple of positions in him. Would he change that? I know we've had a couple of people suggest that Godfrey might just be shoved forward. I think that's probably a little bit more extreme. Tim Closer, that is huge to me. Tim Closer and Tim Krull are just such great people to have in your defence. You know, cross between the sticks, but closer to me can do that job further out of, of just getting people to play. I just feel that that experience, the head he's got on him is so important. So, you know, if you go from Cruel to Closer to Buendia and Pookie, there's your backbone. Suddenly I've got Norwich City staying up. I'll have to rewrite a few stories now. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? Because it, it kind of feels like the first time this season in, again, a bizarre sort of circumstance, obviously, that all of the elements that Daniel Farkas wanted to almost push Norwich City forward this season are, are actually available to him for the first time. And yeah. this is kind of a, a, a nine-game playoff, isn't it, essentially, for them. Um, mm. But when you do have Buendia and you do have Puki and you do have Todd Campwell and you do have four credible, genuine centre-back options fit and available, surely they've they've still got a chance, haven't they, Paddy? Maybe we're being too optimistic about this because of uh, the three-month uh, hiatus without it. But uh, there is an element, isn't there, that suddenly all of the components that perhaps he would have desired in August are suddenly available to him. Yeah, and the only shame of it all, really, is... There's nine games left for Norwich. You know, if you had a fifteen-plus left, you could go into this period with a, a greater degree of confidence. But it is what it is. They're the cards they've got to play, and and it's why we've already touched on it. The next two of that seven, of that nine-game run are for me pivotal. Really, Southampton on Friday, Everton uh, here next midweek. I've got the table in front of me. Everton are twelfth. Got no chance of doing anything in terms of getting into the European positions. Southampton were there 14th, um, probably got enough points, yeah, 34 points already on the board. So really probably another win or two in their safe. So they are your, for me, 
dictionary definition of two teams who might have had their buckets of spades out and sadly they probably won't because they've already had three months off well three months without any football but in terms of do they have that really sharp mental edge because they've got things to go and achieve this season not for me so if you're going to handpick two opponents at the minute I think they'd be pretty near the top of my list and with that in mind Norwich simply have to get minimum four points and, and ideally six anything less than that They'll have seven games left. They won't realistically have closed the gap to the teams above them. Um, and I think they've got harder games ahead. So it is really, you could boil this down for me to the next 180 minutes to Car Road. It's as big as that, really. And um, that's why all the options we're talking about, all the permutations, Daniel fucking needs to get them pulled together and permed in a way that they can hit the ground running. And, uh, you know, should they do that, then... Well, this time, probably, well, middle of next week onwards, things could look a lot more doable than they do at the minute. And, and then, then you can imagine, we, Chris touched on it right at the start, you bounce into that Man United quarterfinal, albeit behind closed doors with no fans, but on the back of two league wins, then, then you know, the semi-finals are not beyond the realms, are they? And, it, and the whole season has got a completely different slant on it, going into the, the defining end of it. So... Yeah, their backs are against the wall, but they have a fighting chance. But they have to do it themselves. They cannot now rely on, you know, favours from anywhere else. If it's going to happen, it's got to happen from within that changing room. And and there's certainly enough quality within that changing room. And enough, we saw it this time last year, togetherness and team spirit, that they can dredge results out. But really, there's no second chances now. It's now or never. Yeah, there's there's an element of uh, if not now when uh, is it is it going to work against them that they've got these two games straight away, Chris, that um, are so massive, so pivotal to their season, or is it actually a, a massive opportunity? Because if it, uh, and I'm thinking about it here, it's, it's going to be everyone's coming in the same position. They a lot of them haven't played a, a league match behind closed doors. Obviously, the Premier League teams have been playing friendlies, but they won't have experienced the intensity that, that perhaps a league game brings, the competitiveness of it. Um, but, but equally, there's going to be no momentum. There's going to be no confidence within a, a camp. It's, it's going to be sort of a, a level playing field to some extent, I guess. The only difference is that we've had pretty much a, what feels like a, a season before it and we're kind of picking it up where we are picking it up. Um, is that something that works for them or, or works against them, do you think? The fact they've got these two massive games straight off the bat without any sort of momentum or, or, or confidence to go into it with? Same for both teams. They've got more reason to win these games than their opponents, as Paddy said. Um, they will be, if they win them both, there's a damn good chance they'll be playing for Norwich City in the Premier League next season. I can't see better motivation than that. that, that I think... But again, he said, you know, if you're going to pick a couple of teams, they'd be probably amongst the teams you'd select. And, and I think I would, that's zero disrespect to them, although it's very disrespectful. Um, I, I, I think this is, if I were a Norwich player, I'd be looking and saying, right, brilliant. Bring it on. We're up for it. Now, OK, they haven't played for three months. Well, that's all down to now what's happened on the training ground in the last few weeks. How hard Daniel Farker has worked them how well they've looked after themselves, how fit they are. And uh, between the ears, absolutely between the ears. You know, uh, you, you mentioned Duda, which is pretty good because he could easily have said, look, oh, we ain't got a chance. I want to go home. You know, they want me. I'm going, sorry, sorry, Daniel. I've got to go. They, they won't let me stay. But he's actually said, no, 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 come on. I'm going. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stay. I, I want to see this through because... If he thought there was zero chance, a big fat zero, I think he'd be back in Berlin. But he's clearly of the mental gumption. He says, well, we've got a chance. And I did write something recently that said, you know, when you sign a footballer, it's not what you see him do with his feet. A lot of it is his attitude, his mental strength, his, his experience, his loyalty, and all lots of little things that don't involve a football. So you sign the right type of person. And, and I sort of don't look and see many bad eggs in that Norwich squad. They all look pretty decent to me, pretty decent individuals. You know, you, you look around a few teams, everyone's got a bit of a wild boy in them. I don't see anybody in that squad that hasn't got the mental fortitude. I don't know them personally. They may be absolutely nutters, who knows? But I do think that they, they look like they're of the right stuff. So, 
you know, again, I'm, I'm keeping them in the Premier League for another season. I probably shouldn't do that. But I think this is a good opportunity for them. And I think that, that you know, Daniel Farkas should be looking and going, look, there, we could have been dealt a really horrible hand. And actually, this is not bad. You've got the opportunity. You know, just give it a go. I don't know what Paddy's doing with his cushion, but... <laughs> I'm always getting Chris. I'm, I'm actually putting putting some of our content on our Facebook page, mate. Got me laptop here. Not that anybody can. Over, over the professional. Over the professional. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is this is a good reset point for Norwich. I do. Um, whether they can take advantage, I don't know. Because no, you know, nobody ever been in this situation like this before. So there's no telling how players will react to it. Um, and I think if they don't do it, I don't think we should uh, hang them out to dry. I, I think it's a hard basket call for them to go back in and play. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy playing in the circumstances. And it's not just empty stadiums. I've been in empty stadiums before. You know, that's, that's, it's the fans who will miss the other fans, not the players, I don't think. I, I think that's it. That's probably overcomable. If there's yeah, such a word. I think there's an element of it, isn't there, that it it kind of, or certainly the case when, when I've watched German football, the, the strange bits are before, at half-time when the whistle goes, and at the end, actually, when, when the ball's in play and it's 11 v 11, it's a game of football. And so yeah. it kind of feels like there's an element of, um, when that, as cliches is, when that whistle blows, that they, they're going to do their job, aren't they? Regardless if, if, if there's fans there or not. Um, and don't forget, it, when that whistle blows, it's going to be really loud. It is going to be really loud. Yeah, I'm going to spit earplugs on. That might be the best way to do it. Um, Paddy, uh, just to, to focus on Southampton specifically, they've kind of, again, perhaps at an earlier stage, done kind of what Norwich City are trying to aim to do now, which is to drag themselves out of the relegation zone for a really good run of form. Um, particularly when you look at that Leicester result they had earlier in the season where they lost 9-0 at, at St Mary's. To recover from that and, and for Ralph Hasenhutl to get them to, to where they've got to is has been really impressive to watch. I mean, our, I mean, really, that is the anomaly, isn't it? Because how many times would we have seen with that type of complete disintegration of a result, you know, that the manager is no longer his post? It's, it's a credit to Southampton as a club, really, that they went beyond, you know, what was a truly awful result, you know, record equaling, was it, I think? Another sort of yeah. team in football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't mention on, but uh, the embarrassment factor there, I think it was on Sky that night as well. In fact, I do recall seeing a bit of it. Madison was doing his bits, well, Esther wasn't he? But, um, and, and, and obviously at that point, you think, well, this is a team really hurtling towards the wrong end of the table. So, am I right in saying, did he, has he in the intervening period signed a new contract as well? You know, yeah, um, uh, yeah, new new four year deal. I think uh, Craig yeah. Fleming has as well, and uh, Dave right. Watson, who, who Dave was Watson, at Norwich yeah. as well. So. so you know, it's, it's it's a testament to him um, and his staff, and then, and then players really, because again, it's easy. I'm sure there was a lot of post uh, fallout from that game about have these players down tools. You always hear those sort of phrases, don't you? Know, cliches they clearly hadn't done. Um, I'm trying to think where that result came in the in the. In the timeline of when Norwich went there because I think Norwich went there in December and there was a lot of pressure on the guy. It might have just not might not have been that far after Norwich went there. I, I, don't, I don't think they'd won at home yeah. at that point, have they? I don't think yeah. I think uh, the Norwich result was the first time they'd won at St Mary's this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, back to, I mean we were there weren't we, that night and there was a there was yeah. a palpable sense that uh, a restless crowd certainly if they hadn't have turned up that night uh, and sadly for Norwich um, they were very poor on set pieces and, and were punished by Danny Ings I recall particularly that night, uh, and they got the result. And, and they did a look back, you know, looking at the table, uh, they, they, as I say, probably a win away from being absolutely, absolutely safe. And uh, and that will allow them to now rebuild again. Um, and, and just as they have done over the five, five ten years of, of their longevity in the Premier League, very incremental. They've made some astute uh, managerial appointments in that time, you know, namely Pochettino, of course, and Ronald Koeman was doing good things there. And, um, and then maybe Hassan Hootel, they, they feel, is, is the guy who can take them on, on again. And uh, if you're Norwich and you're looking at clubs in the Premier League, you could maybe take bits from in terms of achieving that same longevity. You know, you go there now, St Mary's is a fantastic stadium. Um, there's a community feel to that place. They've got a big support as well. Uh, you know, there's a lot of clubs who should look at a Southampton. I know they've spent a few quid, but 
they've been able to do that now because they've had the sustained revenue from the, the Premier League. Um, and, and that, we all would hope, is where Norwich could get to in time, whether they have to take a step back to come back again. Um, time will tell in these intervening weeks. But, uh, yeah, he certainly looks to be a guy who uh, has got the support of the people who matter at Southampton. And, and it won't be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But I just think, to reiterate what I was saying there a, a while ago, that you go looking down Southampton's squad list and they have decent players, but there's nothing there that should strike fear into the hearts of any of those Norwich opponents. And, and if Norwich play to their optimum, then there is a result there for them on Friday night. And also being pointed out, Paddy, you mentioned about them losing heavily at home. Uh, when Norwich lost 7-1 at home to Colchester, the only team below them in League One, Southampton. Yeah. So they've sort of, they've come up, I, I suppose there's a case study there. There was a former chief executive who used to enjoy mentioning other clubs and say they're our role models. I think Charlton were once Norwich City's role model. I think uh, Southampton have been Norwich City's role model. Well, they probably are now. They, they, they came up, um, you know, having been below the lowest. And uh, and look at them now. As you say, they're a fairly stable club. If, if there's such a thing as a stable club. Well, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I distinctly remember when, when Stuart Webber was uh, unveiled as, as Norwich's new sporting director that he actually identified Southampton as sort of the club he wanted to see Norwich uh, or sort there you of go. recreate to an extent in, in terms of a prosperous academy and selling talent for big money. I mean, Luke Shaw yep. comes to mind as, as one. Virgil van Dijk, of course, they van sold Dijk, for yeah. ridiculous money. So they, they've had a convey belt of talent. I guess their issue has been constantly year on year trying to replace the talent that they went to Liverpool. <laughs> exactly. They went to Liverpool, yeah. Um, well, they, they have got a, a few Norwich City names, Angus Gunn, Nathan Redmond, Ryan Bertrand as well. There are quite a few Norwich City connections in there. Um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how they view this fixture because, as, as Paddy said earlier, they're one that sort of uh, sits in mid-table and, and, and don't really have too much to play for beyond perhaps needing a, a win to secure safety. So they'll be looking to get that off the bat, certainly. So it's, it's not one for for Norwich to take lightly but um, I think we, we better conclude it there I guess I, I want to end really by asking you both how excited or, or nervous or, or whatever how are you feeling about football's return now it is so close now it is coming this week and um, obviously we, we hope to be there uh, certainly a, a couple of us will be there um, certainly but Pat how, how are you feeling about football's return does it feel like now it's it's the right time for it to come back yeah, I'm probably conflicted, if I'm honest, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not football as we know it because, you know, it's been proven now definitively. I think you watch them games from the Bundesliga um, and football with that, good-sized crowds and in the Premier League, more or less full houses every other week, certainly in Norwich, full houses. It isn't football. It's not the football we know and, and there'll be a hollowness to it, I think, when we when we either in the stadium itself Friday night or watching on the telly. Um that this isn't really the football that we, we all grew up with, the football that we all love. Um, football brings people together, but quite clearly that isn't going to be the case in this period. And, and it's almost a bridge to whatever comes next. And, that, and obviously that will be completely dependent on whether we can get a handle on this virus moving forward and, and obviously vaccines, because you know there's more than... More than, uh, more than a minority within the game who probably feel that he might be behind closed doors for, for a long part of next season as well. And if that was to be the case, rather than just this abbreviated nine, ten game period, then you do fear for 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 what what football looks like beyond and all the attendant financial fallout in terms of lowering down the pecking order with clubs who are heavily reliant on gate receipts. You take that revenue stream away. What does that leave? Uh, Norwich are fortunate in the sense that they, they are in the Premier League at the right time. They will have the revenue allied to the fact they were very prudent in how they were going about the task anyway. So they will be far better insulated than a lot of clubs. But it, I just feel it's where we are. If we want to get football back now, it has to be this way. That's where we are in all the other major leagues in Europe. And and, and we will deal with that as and as 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 when. But it, it doesn't feel like the football we know and love. And and I guess we just have to, we all have to accept that that's the way it's got to be for the for the foreseeable future. But um, it will be nice though to actually see some football um, because it, it's felt a long period and, and you do miss it. Um, obviously with the caveat that 
in the grand scheme of things, football and sport in general is fairly incidental. You know, um, people are going through so many tough times, um, both health-wise, financially, economically, and uh, you know, football is a release. So in that regard, you know, millions will be able to sit down in their socially distanced homes and uh, with their nearest and dearest and, and maybe just uh, forget about things for a while. And, and from that point of view, football will be a very positive driver. But, you know, it isn't a football we know and love. And uh, I think until we get back to that, then we basically just have to uh, almost accept it is what it is. But, um, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't probably say excitement, more uh, more curiosity at the minute, I think. Yeah, that, yeah, nobody quite knows how this is going to pan out. And uh, But as I say, you know, the German experiment is... is much further down the track and they seem to have made it work in terms of at least fulfilling fixtures and, and that feels really where we are at the minute. Obviously, we, we know there's huge carrots for Norwich in terms of staying up. There's the FA Cup as well, but, you know, well, I'll, point, I'll paint you a picture. Norwich gets to the FA Cup final it's behind closed doors. You know, what, what is that? What, what sort of spectacle is that going to be? So, everything has a bit of a hollowness to it to me, but we all understand the financial necessity. But I think also as well, there is a, there is an element that it, it does maybe alleviate some of the some of the things we're all having to deal with at the minute because it, it, it is that another signal that there is a world maybe down the line where we can get back to some degree of normality and normality for for us particularly and for a lot of people is your football fix isn't it yeah absolutely it's uh, the most significant insignificant thing i think i've seen it described as which is is most important not important yeah ex- exactly um Chris, let's 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 give the final word to you. Then you've you've been um, done a few of these with with you now, and and you've rightly been a little bit sceptical about football's return. But has your opinion shifted perhaps as as we've got closer? I think I've seen a few people on social media that were very anti-football's return at the start now, and seem as it seems to be edging closer. Actually, sort of, I don't know, warm to the idea a little bit. Are, are you kind of the same with with that, or, or are you still yeah. very much a little bit of of, of scepticism? There's apprehension. I just hope for everybody's sake that it goes well. I think it's an opportunity. To just it, There is a case of, look, just get this season done. Mm. But once it's done, once these huge telephone number figures are, 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 are sorted, reset football. Because you've got a, 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 a pyramid which has the extraordinary finances of the Premier League and just a few divisions below has got teams who can't afford to play football behind closed doors. You know, we've seen a team, it is unusual, a team go bust, a club go bust this season in the Football League. Two divisions below, three divisions below, were they? Two divisions below uh, the Premier League. The, the, The gap between that that elite 20 and the rest and and the elite 20 is which every football team every footballer who steps out aspires to play in um it shouldn't be that way so uh, you know without getting all silly about it i think we we know now there is a time to reset football and make sure that this brilliant sport of ours is is free for all and available for all that you know, as far as we can go down, so that we never have a situation where clubs are really in danger. Um, Kingston Town Football Club, remarkable success. They may get promoted, and it, it would be wonderful if they do. But asking them to play behind closed doors next season, and the owner is seriously thinking, wow, how are we going to do this? You know, and it shouldn't be. They're one step off the Football League. They shouldn't be like that. Um, uh, and, you know, let's get rid of the agent's fees. Let's get rid of this ridiculous amount of money that goes out of football. Um, not suggesting you get rid of agents. Um, I think they're probably a necessary evil. But, you know, there is an awful lot of money that goes out. Let, let's use it wisely and have some good brains to work out how football should work across the board from Old Trafford to Aylsham Wreck. You know, it, it, that's what it is. It's a, it's a game for all of us. Um, and... You know, I hope everybody gets their enjoyment out of the rest of the season and doesn't catch anything nasty because, you know, heaven forbid, heaven forbid that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's hope we see uh, some more footballers use, use their platform in, in a similar way to, to that that Marcus Rashford has this week, yeah. that's for sure. And also the the wider extent of, uh, of football as well. I think it's it's got to be questioned after all this is over. Um, gents, I think that, that just about wraps it up. Thank you both for joining me. Of course, this is uh, your podcast as much as it is ours. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you know where we are. Twitter, Facebook, uh, email as well. And um, we will be back probably after the Southampton game um, talking about that. Let's hope we're talking about free and a positive start to life behind closed doors. Um, I hope all of those out there can can get some sort of enjoyment out of uh, football's return and out of watching Norwich on the telly. It's not going to be the same, but uh, at least it is football. In, in to, to some extent, it's, it, it is football and it is uh, it is back. So uh, stay safe, enjoy the football, and um, we'll see you uh, very very soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.